right, well, good morning, everybody. Again, it's so great to see everybody here today. And um, just two days ago, I had a bunch of you ask me, like, how crowded were the services? How was the 1030 service? And it was just, it was wonderful. Everybody was dressed up, you know. Everybody had a smile on their face. And we had a packed house on, at 530. And then at 10 o'clock, it was about half full. And, man, I tell you what, I just love talking to all the kids. You know, they, they just forgot how jacked up they get. I mean, half of them were just hopped up on sugar and, you know. Half a dozen cookies and just the excitement of Santa coming. These kids are basically shaking out of here. It was just really awesome. Um, and it made me remember, though, and reflect on, like, how exciting it is uh, for young families around Christmas time. You know, it's like a whole new level of fun and excitement. And maybe we can even say a whole new level of chaos, right? I mean, you got to drive to Decorah to see this family and make sure you stop by Grandma's house on the way. And then, boom, you're off to Des Moines to see the other family and make sure you see Aunt Gertie because she'd love to see the kids, right? And then you plot out this little small window of time on Christmas morning to spend with your family before you'd race off to someone's house for lunch. And man, I remember just thinking to Amy, like, holy, like on, on, on December 26th, just kissing her on the cheek and said, honey, we made it through another one, <laughs> right? Because it just was so busy. Well, folks, today is December 26th, you know, praise the Lord, right? And I just want everybody just to take a big, deep breath in and out. Because now maybe for some of you, for the first time, this will be your opportunity to feel the peace and love of the season that we should have been feeling the whole time, right? Today is the day we can relax. Today is the day maybe we can quietly sit at our homes and reflect on the last few days and really reflect on how good we really have it and really how good the last few days have been. We've ate some good food. We've, you know, uh, had time with family. We came to church and had the blessings of celebrating Jesus' birth. And it was really wonderful. And I hope that today you guys find the peace and are able just to reflect on that time and get some time just to sit and reflect. Now, for the Sundays leading up to Christmas, and of course Christmas Eve, we spend a lot of time talking about Jesus' birth, don't we? And like rightly so. It's, his, it's our celebration. Like we're celebrating Jesus, and we get to come and party and acknowledge the birth of Jesus Christ. And I really loved Tyler's sermon uh, uh, on Christmas Eve. He painted this picture of Mary and Joseph coming to Bethlehem. And I think we have a certain predisposed image of what that peaceful night in a quiet manger on this beautifully still starly night, you know, and the animals are kind of peeking over Joseph's shoulders. They await the birth of Jesus. And, and, but Tyler did a great job of just blowing that image out of the water, didn't he? He painted a picture for us of like this, you know, a four-day walk with a pregnant wife and Mary and Joseph arrived to a packed Bethlehem. There were no hotel rooms and they had to spend the night in what was probably a barn, right? And they slept on straw. And Tyler just had the most beautiful analogy. And he said, I don't know about you, but I would be anything but quiet and peaceful. And to my knowledge, what I find out later, my, da my daughter Emma says, dad would have probably exploded, right? <laughs> and she was right. You know, whether I'm 26-year-old Mike with a nine-month pregnant Amy, or I'm a 49-year-old Mike who has a tendency to be darn grumpy in stressful times, that night would have not been peaceful for me, 
right? I probably would have exploded. But now today, as we move through Jesus' birth, we get to a different part in Luke and a different part of scriptures. Today we're going to talk about like after Christmas, right? After Jesus' birth. What happened in those periods of time for Jesus? And hopefully today, uh, the peace that we find with Joseph and Mary, maybe we can, we can start to set in as well. Um, so let's go ahead and open up our Bibles uh, to Luke chapter 2. Amy will have it on the screens. Um, and uh, in, my, in mine it says Jesus is presented at the temple. So I want to give you some background before we jump into this. Um, you know, after that not-so-quiet scene in the manger, which Tyler talked about just a couple of days ago, and after a night of sleeping on the straw, the new baby Jesus uh, is born, and we have a beautifully exhausted Mary, and Mary and Joseph wake up to a brand new day. And 40 days later, per Levitical law, the infant Jesus has to be presented to the temple in Jerusalem. We'll start in verse 22. Now when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him, took Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took Jesus in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel." The child's father and mother were marveled at what he said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There is also a prophet Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying, coming up to them at the very moment she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem." When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. Would you pray with me? Lord God, as we dive into your word today in Luke chapter 2, God, I ask that you open our hearts and open our minds to your scripture so we can learn a little bit more about it and grow closer to you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. 
So let's go ahead and start in verses 23 through 24 as we start to dissect this story. Now, there were three rituals that happened uh, with every firstborn male. So at eight days old, and just previous to these verses, uh, Jesus was circumcised. All right? Then every firstborn is, has to be presented to the, the temple. Um, and in these verses, Joseph and Mary took them to Jerusalem and presented them in the temple. And this happened about 40 days after birth. In Exodus 14.1 is where we hear the, uh, the actual story. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me every firstborn male. The first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether human or animal. So after about 40 years when the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness, and immediately after they crossed the Jordan River into Israel, God gave them that commandment. Now next, normally the, uh, for, pre, for the presentation ritual, m- most people would actually present a lamb and a pigeon or a lamb and a turtle dove. But in these verses, we read that uh, Joseph and Mary offered two pigeons or two turtle doves. Now what we can infer from those scriptures is that Joseph was not a man of means. All right? They were not rich people. They were poor people. And the Levitical law made an amendment for people like this where you didn't have to sacrifice a really expensive lamb, but you could do two turtle doves or, or, um, or two pigeons. But in these verses, we... Um, sorry. So now in, when we go to verse 25 to 28, I want to read these again for you guys. Because we learn of a prophet named Simeon. And Simeon was an interesting character. And it says there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. He was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord uh, Messiah. Now, Simeon was a rabbi, and he was a really respected rabbi in Jesus' time. And his bloodline was actually really, really interesting. You see, Simeon's father, Hillel, was one of the most um, amazing Jewish scholars ever. So there's two Jewish texts called the Talmud and the Mishnah. And um, one of them is like all the oral tradition, all the oral stories. And the Talmud is like a book of discipline. It has all the theology in it um, and all the rituals. And Hillel helped write those two books. And beyond writing those two books, Hillel also started one of, uh, well, a, a school for rabbis in Jerusalem. Then his son Simeon comes along, and when Hillel was too old, Simeon actually took over the school. And so he was a, he was a very sharp, very smart, and very well-respected Sadducee uh, in Jesus' time. And then interesting enough, um, Simeon's son, Gamaliel, is the rabbi who taught uh, the apostle Paul. And the interesting thing about Gamaliel was that uh, he, he was Simeon's son, but he also hated and despised Christians. And uh, he instructed Paul and many, many others actually to, 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 uh, to crucify Christians. So like I said, a really interesting bloodline, but, but Simeon is a really interesting character. Now, what we, a couple of interesting things about these scriptures. One, it says that he was righteous and devout. And I think we read those scriptures, we just kind of glaze by them. Like it says a lot in the Bible that they were righteous and devout, right? But the truth is, is they didn't say that about very many people. Because there were a ton of Jewish leaders who were not righteous and devout. They were pious on the outside, but horrible people on the inside. 
Now, also what I want us to understand is that in these scriptures, Simeon is saying that he is waiting for the consolation of Jerusalem. Now, what does that mean, the consolation of Jerusalem? Well, we have to remember what was going on in Jerusalem at this time. And again, this is just 40 days after Jesus' birth. So the Romans had occupied Israel, and they actually occupied Jerusalem. They were in charge of Jerusalem, and they made it really difficult on the Jewish people. All right? They condemned them. They imprisoned them. They beat them. They crucified them. The average citizen was very, very poor. It was a tough time to be a Jew living in Jerusalem at this time. And what the text is saying is that Simeon was waiting for the consolation prize. He is saying that we, the Jewish people, are poor and imprisoned and beaten. But I know that soon God has revealed to me that the Messiah is going to be born. The consolation prize to our terrible lives is that the Messiah is coming soon. The consolation prize for this horrible time in Jewish life is the forgiveness of our sins. The consolation prize of this time is that we get eternity in heaven. Simeon is saying that our consolation of Jerusalem is Jesus Christ. Now, Simeon was a prophet who was told by God that in his lifetime, he would meet the Messiah. And moved by the Holy Spirit, he shows up in the temple on the exact day that Mary and Joseph present Jesus to the temple. The Holy Spirit fills him up, and he knows that the prophecy has come true. And he is so overwhelmed, he takes the baby Jesus in his arm, and he lifts him up. And then he speaks the words that we read in verses 29 through 22. He says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. He is saying, Lord God, I am your servant. You can dismiss me. You promised I would see the Messiah, and I acknowledge that I have. My eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Now, what is really interesting about this is that at the time, for Simeon to say a light for revelation to the Gentiles, would it, he would have sounded like a madman. Because the Gentiles were not um, respected people. In fact, it was against Jewish law. You couldn't hang out with a, uh, with a Gentile. You couldn't associate with a Gentile. They were the scum of the earth, the Gentiles. Godless, heathens. So for Simeon to say that, they were the re- that this God would be the revelation for the Gentiles, like many of the Jewish people would have thought he was a little crazy. But here already we see the prophecy at 40 days, at 40 days old, somebody has already acknowledged that he has seen the Messiah. And then he says that they will be the glory of Israel, all right, the glory of God in Jesus Christ. Now, uh, let's see here. I've already lost my place. That's awesome, isn't it? <laughs> now, I think we understand that part, right? It's easy for us as Christians to say, like, yeah, there's the Messiah. We know it to be true. But here's the interesting part. Is that only two prophets at this time, and we're going to read about the second one, acknowledged that the Messiah was born. Now, I want you to understand that at this time, there has been other people that have claimed to be the Messiah, 
Jesus just isn't the only one. There were a couple before them, and there were a couple after Jesus. But what made Jesus unique was that he came for the salvation of our sins. The other folks about this time, these other Jewish leaders were like military men. All right? They wanted to revolt, and, and they wanted to fight against Rome. But Jesus was different. Now, in verses 33 through 35, it says that the children's father and mother marveled at what they had said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to mother, to mother Mary, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. So the child is destined to cause the rising and falling of many in Israel. It's kind of the nature of the Israelites to get closer to God and then to fall away of God. We read that throughout the whole Old Testament. All right? We had leaders and kings who would bring them back close to God, and then we had terrible leaders and kings who would start to worship idols and tear them away from God. And that's kind of a rising and falling of all the Israelites throughout the nation. But Simeon says that this child, Jesus Christ, is going to do both. He will bring some people closer to God, and he will turn others away. And I think this is still happening today. For if you're Jewish people still do not believe in Jesus Christ. They're still waiting for the Messiah to be born. They are still searching to this day. Now, the sign that is spoken against him is that Jesus was not like the other so-called claim to be messiahs. All right? He was not uh, uh, a military man. He was not interested in throwing over any governments. His job was rebuking sin and unholiness and turning people back to Jesus Christ. Those that saw that and those that accepted that would be revealed that their hearts were true. But those who were too focused on the law and those too waiting to see the fulfillment of the law. It's kind of like they couldn't see what was right in front of them. Their hearts would be revealed as false. Now what's interesting is that Simeon also says that there will be a sword that will pierce Mary's soul. And what that sword is is the grief that Mary is going to see by watching her baby boy, her firstborn, die that horrendous death on the cross when he was beaten within inches of his death, nailed to the cross, and to die that slow and painful death. Now again, at 40 days old, we see Jesus, and another prophet comes into the picture. And this prophet is named Anna. Now what is interesting is that, again, the story seems just kind of, you know, we just kind of glaze past it in Luke 2. But what is interesting is that God had been silent for about 400 years at this point. From the book of Malachi to John the Baptist was about 400 years, and Jesus had, or sorry, and God had not spoke to anybody through the prophets. But on the very day that Jesus is brought to the temple, we see two. We see Simeon and we see Anna, one male prophet, one female prophet, both messianic, both waiting for the Messiah, and both being told by God that they would see the Messiah. And they were both there on the exact day that Mary and Joseph arrived with Jesus. 
And then in this last part, when Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, that is Jesus, and he was filled with wisdom, and the grace of the Lord was on him. So Jesus and Mary did their job. All right. They presented their firstborn to the temple, and then they finally headed back to Nazareth. And we don't hear about Jesus for another 12 years until the Passover, where Jesus is preaching in the synagogues. We read about that actually right next in Luke chapter 2. Now, what I like about this story is that Jesus and Mary lived through a pretty crazy 50 days, if you think about it. All right, They have to walk four days into Bethlehem, where it was more crowded than it had ever been. There's no hotels. They have to sleep in a manger. And then Mary delivers a baby. And then they don't still get to go home. They have to stay in Nazareth because it's closer to Jerusalem. And they probably stay with uh, Joseph's parents because he was originally from Nazareth. So can you imagine living with your in-laws for 40 days? (laughs) And then and only then, for 40 days, they head to Jerusalem, which is another eight miles in which they have to do the purification rites and they have to buy two turtle doves and they have to present them then to Jesus to the temple. And then after about 40 days, they finally get to go home. But still, they have to walk the 46 miles back to Nazareth. It was a crazy 50 days for them. And I think we can draw some parallels that it's probably been a pretty crazy day for many of you, right? Seeing the peace of Jesus during Christmas is not always the easiest thing because we got family and we're running here and we're running there and just it's, you know, and I think that story is very similar to what Joseph and Mary were going through. But now in Luke 2, I think they get to feel some peace. I think they get to go back home to Nazareth and enjoy their families and to reflect on the 50 days, just like you guys get to do today. There's a lot of parallels between these two stories. Now, don't get me wrong, all the stuff that happens is good, right? Family, food, church, probably my three favorite things, right? So it's been a great few days. But maybe... Some of us didn't feel the peace of the season. So right now, in this instant, if you haven't had the opportunity, just take another deep breath. Let the Spirit fill you up. Let the piano resonate through your heart. Let the Spirit who is alive and well in this church take over your life so that the rest of the day you can go home and reflect feel the presence of the Spirit, and finally relax. This morning, I want you to ask yourself, has this peace that passes under all understanding, Jesus Christ, fell upon you this season? Has it fell upon you this month or this year? If not, I want to urge you to give it time to fill you up today. Would you please pray with me? Lord God, as we hear about
the presentation of Jesus to the temple, Lord God, we were reminded of how crazy of a time it is that sometimes we don't feel the peace and love of our Savior, that sometimes we don't feel the salvation or see the salvation. But Lord God, today, when the busyness is over, and as good of all those things are, Lord God, we ask that as we leave here today, that the, the peace that passes all understanding fills us up so that we are made new and we can see our salvation. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Would you please stand for your benediction? As we leave here today, I pray that the peace and love of Jesus Christ falls upon your heart so we can go and be the disciples we are called to be. Now go in peace and love. Amen.